Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And today, I am actually interviewing the person who is on the show live and in person. Today, I am coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona at the National Speakers Association. And as I've spent the last four days here at this conference, I realized that there's some very cool people here. And I was kind of silly not to take advantage of the fact that I could just grab someone in the hallway who normally maybe is too busy. I wouldn't be able to get them right away and just say, can you give me 20, 30 minutes so that we can do a quick interview for the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do audience. And today I am very excited because we have Manly Feinberg. And he is a speaker out of St. Louis, Missouri. And he is here at the National Speakers Association with me. He has a company called Vertical Lessons, and I'm going to let him tell you what it is, but I am so excited. He is somebody I've become friends with over the last year, and he is one of the most impressive people, and not just because he has a really good soul, but he's really impressive of how he has gone out and grown his business in the last two years. He you know, entered the business. He was doing it part-time. He went full-time, and the last two years, he has doubled down and really just seen his business go kapow. And that's what all of us want to do. I mean, if you're a solopreneur or a small business entrepreneur, we all, you know, I talked about plateaus in one of the last episodes. We all get into this thing where we want to be able to go to the next level. And Manly has become one of the best examples of the people who I know personally who have really done that. So what I would like to do is welcome Manly Feinberg to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. It's an honor to be on your show. So tell everybody a little bit about your business. What do you do? I take a parallel career of uh, corporate and growing businesses for 20 years uh, with a parallel career in the mountains around the world, and I started reverse engineering my experiences in the outdoors. I would come back from expeditions, and then in the business world, I I couldn't understand how could somebody go halfway around the world and meet someone they never met before, hardly knew the language, and form a team of people, and then accomplish something they didn't think was possible. Yet I would come back to the business world and uh, in small businesses and growing corporations uh, with great HR staffs and assessments and all these tools we have. You know, I, I wasn't able to get the same results. I started reverse engineering my experiences in the vertical and I would test them, my lab and businesses. And some of the ideas really had a profound impact. So then I started sharing with people and found out they were repeatable. And next thing you know, uh, people wanted me to do that more. So I, I was able to follow my passion and help people through that. Uh, those two ideas colliding. So before I go too deep into your business, so you were like a mountain adventurer, right? I mean, this is what you did for fun. You went up these vertical inclines like the people I see dangling from ropes and you think, oh my God, what an idiot. That, yeah. That's you? That's, that's me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I, so in, in college, I started pursuing climbing. There's a story behind that, but uh, and it would just really resonate with me. I'm actually not a big risk taker that people have a hard time believing that if, um, if they you know, see what I do, but it's actually 10 times safer in driving a car when I, when I do. And anyway, so yeah, I was very passionate about it. So I was pursuing climbing and then uh, I've always been a business person and driven in business and had that. And I have somehow managed to keep my wife uh, married to me in 23 years we've been together. So trying to balance that too, right? The family side of it. How do we keep those relationships going too? So yeah, it's, it's it does look crazy. I agree. Yeah. So I'm going to sleep on the side of the mountains and those sort of things. And, uh, so, so you come back into the business world and you start, you start implementing some of the stuff you've learned by climbing these verticals, climbing these mountains, and you start speaking about it. When did you transition into being a full-time professional speaker? 
I, uh, so my first paid speaking gig was in 95, but I did the parallel uh, for from 95 till 2010. And 2010, I really started transitioning. I left uh, the officially corporate world at the end of 2011. And so starting in 2012 was full-time, full-on uh, entrepreneur. So you have a, a, a keynoting business? Is that mainly what you do? Primarily. That's usually, the, as my friend Sam Silverstein says, that's the job interview, really. And so 80% of my business in focus is on keynotes, typically opening conference keynote or a closing or anywhere they'll let me talk. And uh, yeah, and so then p- people who res- really resonate with my style, my perspective, and the way I present ideas and inspire and engage people uh, often will ask me to go deeper with their teams in a different setting. So we can do workshops or f- there's a lot of ways we can work together. But most of it is in, in the keynote focused. So... With uh, your keynotes, what's the message? What is it that when someone sees Manly Feinberg on stage, what makes them say, wow, that's changed my world? I think the first thing is that it's interesting. Uh, One thing I worked really hard at, and I'm just... Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool... Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And today, I am actually interviewing the person who is on the show live and in person. Today, I am coming to you from... Phoenix, Arizona at the National Speakers Association. And as I've spent the last four days here at this conference, I realized that there's some very cool people here. And I was kind of silly not to take advantage of the fact that I could just grab someone in the hallway who normally maybe is too busy. I wouldn't be able to get them right away and just say, can you give me 20, 30 minutes so that we can do a quick interview for the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do audience. And today I am very excited because we have Manly Feinberg. And he is a speaker out of St. Louis, Missouri. And he is here at the National Speakers Association with me. He has a company called Vertical Lessons, and I'm going to let him tell you what it is, but I am so excited. He is somebody I've become friends with over the last year, and he is one of the most impressive people, and not just because he has a really good soul, but he's really impressive of how he has gone out and grown his business in the last two years. He you know, entered the business. He was doing it part-time. He went full-time, and the last two years, he has doubled down and really just seen his business go kapow. And that's what all of us want to do. I mean, if you're a solopreneur or a small business entrepreneur, we all, you know, I talked about plateaus in one of the last episodes. We all get into this thing where we want to be able to go to the next level. And Manly has become one of the best examples of the people who I know personally who have really done that. So what I would like to do is welcome Manly Feinberg to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. It's an honor to be on your show. So tell everybody a little bit about your business. What do you do? I take a parallel career of uh, corporate and growing businesses for 20 years uh, with a parallel career in the mountains around the world, and I started reverse engineering my experiences in the outdoors. I would come back from expeditions, and then in the business world, I I couldn't understand how could somebody go halfway around the world and meet someone they never met before, hardly knew the language, and form a team of people, and then accomplish something they didn't think was possible. Yet I would come back to the business world and uh, in small businesses and growing corporations uh, with great HR staffs and assessments and all these tools we have. You know, I, I wasn't able to get the same results. I started reverse engineering my experiences in the vertical and I would test them, my lab and businesses. And some of the ideas really had a profound impact. So then I started sharing with people and found out they were repeatable. And next thing you know, uh, people wanted me to do that more. So I, I was able to follow my passion and help people through that. Uh, those two ideas colliding. 
So before I go too deep into your business, so you were like a mountain adventurer, right? I mean, this is what you did for fun. You went up these vertical inclines like the people I see dangling from ropes and you think, oh my God, what an idiot. That, yeah. That's you? That's, that's me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I, so in, in college, I started pursuing climbing. There's a story behind that, but uh, and it would just really resonate with me. I'm actually not a big risk taker that people have a hard time believing that if, um, if they you know, see what I do, but it's actually 10 times safer than driving a car when I, when I do. And anyway, so yeah, I was very passionate about it. I was pursuing climbing and then uh, I've always been a business person and driven in business and had that. And I have somehow managed to keep my wife uh, married to me in 23 years we've been together. So trying to balance that too, right? The family side of it. How do we keep those relationships going too? So yeah, it's, it's it does look crazy. I agree. Yeah. So I'm going to sleep on the side of the mountains and those sort of things. And, uh, so, so you come back into the business world and you start you start implementing some of the stuff you've learned by climbing these verticals, climbing these mountains, and you start speaking about it. When did you transition into being a full time professional speaker? I uh, so my first paid speaking gig was in '95, but I did it parallel uh, for from '95 till 2010. And 2010, I really started transitioning. I left uh, the officially corporate world at the end of 2011, and so starting in 2012 was full time, full on. Entrepreneur. So you have a, a, a keynoting business. Is that mainly what you do? Primarily, that's usually the. As my friend Sam Silverstein says, that's the job interview, really. And so, eighty percent of my business in focus is on keynotes, typically opening conference keynote or a closing, or anywhere they'll let me talk. And uh, yeah, and so then p- people who re- really resonate with my style, my perspective, and the way I present ideas and inspire and engage people, uh, often will ask me to go deeper with their teams in a different settings. So we do workshops, or f- there's a lot of ways we can work together. But most of it is in, in the keynote focused. So. With uh, your keynotes, what's the message? What is it that when someone sees Manly Feinberg on stage, what makes them say, wow, that's changed my world? I think the first thing is that it's interesting. Uh, one thing I worked really hard at, and I've just this year, I think, made a breakthrough here, is I've heard more people say that was so relevant for me. And my early mentor said, you know, you got to watch out. You're like special climber guy. People are going to blow you off. And you go, yeah, he's not like me. He's crazy. That doesn't apply to me. And so it's got to be relevant, first of all. Uh, and so personal and work, that's the best compliment I get. Perhaps second only to people saying you're the same guy I saw on stage a second ago. So to answer your question about the uh, specifically the message, my core message is getting out of your comfort zone. My belief is, you know, as I reverse engineered a couple things. One is what I mentioned before, how do you form these teams and all. And then I looked at high peak performers in our organization, other organizations, and I started pulling upon my psychology degree as well and experiences in life is like, what makes people stand out? And I started trying, started seeing these overlaps and the climbing partners that were the most successful with me. Uh, and also in the business world, there were overlapping characteristics. And I believe it's a, about getting out of our comfort zone and being very proactive and intentional about that in a, in a day-to-day basis. And as an example, simple question to ask yourself, what uncomfortable opportunities are presenting today? I think just it's just the way that uh, question to, can help light up some areas where you're oh. uh, And then you can sort of explore. But people have said things like that, I think, but it, uh, being intentional about it is, was a game changer for me. So you, with other people I work with too. So that, so you have had uh, you know a situation where you started full time in 2010, but really the last two years your business has really kind of made that pop. What did you do behind the scenes to really get, take the business to this next level, sort of to climb, if you will? Mm-hmm. You you teach this stuff. How did you actually teach yourself to climb farther? You know, it's. Uh, thank you for the question. I the, what I, here's my secret. Uh, formula, I guess you would say, is what I've done, and it started back in, uh, when I was a kid playing guitar, and I would find something I want to do, right? We all figure out, okay, here's what I want to do. It's This is the pursuit or the passion or the business. 
So you, you identify it. The first thing I do is figure out who are the very best in the world at that particular pursuit or passion or business. Uh, so you find out who they are, the research, that's easy. We have Google now. So, and then that's the first step. The second step is you get as close to them as possible. So some people, unfortunately, in our world, with this great conference we're at, they're very accessible. So you might buy their, you might buy their book. Uh, you, you might be able to go to a session. You might be able to go to a seminar. One sub-point here is you've got to invest in yourself. And I don't care if your boss is paying for it or you're not entrepreneurs. We pay for it ourselves. But even the corporate world, uh, one of the things we used to look at is my boss would ask me, who's still, when we had tough years when we had no training budget, he said, who's still going out and getting training out of their own pocket? And then, sure enough, compensation, what little was available, and promotions, they were getting top attention. So that second piece is getting as close as possible. So sometimes Stephen Covey, I just could only buy his book for other people instead of just buying the book. And here I get close to him. And in this case, uh, if you have access to a coach or someone you can uh, get close to, and step up and invest if they resonate with you and they have the idea. So get as close to them as you can. Uh, this, the third piece is the hardest, is execute. As well as you can, do what they tell you to do. And this is what I'm hearing now. It's interesting. I had a wonderful, one of these conversations you, you always dream, one of these guys I really look up to in the speaking world just pulled me aside yesterday and uh, he said, why don't you call me more? I said, because you're, you're, you're who you are. And, uh, and he said, but you're my friend. And I said, I don't feel like, he said, you're my friend. He said, you, uh, I said, well, this other friend of ours said, I've earned a seat at the table. He said, my friend, you've earned a seat at a big table. And I think, and the reason why that he and the other guy that said why we love you is because you go do what we do. We give information and we give our hearts to so many people, and it's people who execute get rewarded. And so even if I don't, I come back and report back. I say, you told me to do these things. Here's what I didn't do because I just got scared. I'm very transparent about it. Here's what I went after. And here's the successes I had, and people who will reward you for that. So do what they tell you. It's not easy. It's scary, uh, but that's three little parts. You know, find out who the best are. Get as close to them as possible and try to do what they tell you to do. So I've done that. The fourth point, I guess, is really doing that consistently. And that's, uh, that's, not, that's maybe the hardest part, I think. So do you think that that's true in all industries? I mean, obviously, in the professional speaker world, we're kind of known for the fact that a lot of people will take that call and, and will help. And do you think that anybody in industry, any industry, can actually find out who the best are and get close to them? Absolutely. I think in, you know, books, you know, so book, I, I can't afford Richard Branson or Tony Robbins or whoever it is you might want to like to sit down with, uh, buy their book and study it. How many books do you, do you even read? Uh, if you don't get an audio book, whatever. And then how many people actually take action? We know nobody takes, very few people take action on ideas, even if it's inaccessible. So I absolutely believe it's true for any industry. And I know you're a big believer and I am as well is getting involved in your association for your, your, what, I don't care what it is. And, and Go to the expert sessions, and they may not be the most engaging breakout session, but if they're brilliant, you know, focus on what you need to learn and listen. I think it's available in any, any industry, and every industry I've ever worked in, and I've covered just about every now, with either as an employee or as doing my services that I offer, uh, yeah, it's always there. They may not be available one-on-one, -on -one, but you can get the information you need. It's there. Well, I find it interesting because oftentimes at the National Speakers Association and really lots of conferences I go to, the speaker or the expert who takes the stage will often give everybody one of their books. They don't even charge for it, right? They give everybody one. We experienced that today with Darren Hardy mm -hmm. and people will download the audio version of his book, you know, for free or whatever. Then with, you know, 1500 people in the room, I always wonder how many people will actually listen to the audiobook that we're going to receive and, and watch the links to the videos. I try to do that. When I see a speaker who gives the book, I at least try to skim it because I'm thinking they have given something extra here. But I know for a fact from my own books, when I either sell them or if I give them away, 
Most people don't ever read them. Yeah, they know. There's some statistics. I don't remember what. The, it's a dismal statistic that uh, whether you give it away or not, that very small percentage actually crack this book. Another interesting thing that this triggered is uh, there's also studies showing that if you, if you do get it for free, you're less likely to actually do something with it. And the more you invest in that education and mentoring or whatever, you, uh, however you're going about it, the more likely you are to execute. Uh, which is, I think, fascinating. So back to my other sub-point earlier is to invest in yourself, you know, so the, at least at the book level. But uh, step up, and, and that it's there. So invest. That maybe hopefully will up your commitment level if you're wise strong enough. <laughs> so, okay. so what advice do you have for somebody who's listening to this who is in corporate America and maybe they have their own hobby that they've learned a lot from and, and they want to go start their own business? Maybe they don't want to be a speaker or a consultant or a coach, but maybe they want to go start something. They want to start building guitars or they want to start doing guitar lessons or or they want to become a climbing instructor or whatever it is. They, they want to get out of the rat race and do their own thing, which you and I have both sort of done in the last five to ten years. What advice do you have for that person? I think, first of all, it's something that actually Darren Hardy brought up today. He played a wonderful clip of Steve Jobs. Uh, it's the interview where he's sitting with uh, Steve uh, uh, or Bill Gates. It's an older one you can find on YouTube. Anyway, he's talking about passion. And he said, and we know this, like Darren said, everybody knows you got to be passionate about it. It's kind of an overdone topic. But it's still so true that it's just too hard otherwise. I t- actually tell people all the time that ask me about speaking. They say, I really want to speak. And I said, why do you want to do that? And first thing I say is, do you love to travel? That's, but anyway, after we get past that, they, uh, I say, why do you want to do it? If they say, I want to do it because I hear you can make a lot of money, I know that's a big problem. It's just, I, and I tell them, you know what? There's a lot of easier ways of making money. So don't, a living, don't even go after it. Well, a lot of people think that, oh my God, the speaker got paid $10,000 and he only spoke for an hour. That's $10,000 an hour. Yeah, but he was away from his family for three days to be able to do that. And dealing with the lines and the TSA and hotels and not being able to find a gluten-free meal or whatever it is they need, not being able to find a running trail because of where they are or the, the hotel gym was too crowded so they don't get their workout in. It, it is a three-day investment. And if you're easily annoyed, and trust me, a lot of people are easily annoyed. If you're easily annoyed, this is not an easy no, business. Not. And there's, you know, and on top of that, and like you or any speaker worth their while, they're spending 40 to 80 hours probably customizing that, uh, plus all their life experiences. I mean, that's what you're paying for is their perspective and, and their life experience. You're paying for an entire lifetime of body of work and perspective. So, yeah, absolutely key. So, the uh, yeah, back on the passion point for a minute, I think that uh, – that's, you got to go back and go, yeah, I heard this is a good, I, my son is in this trap. He's a young entrepreneur. He's 15 and he has great ideas and I, he, and he's brilliant, but he, we're still trying to circle back. He's had a lot of ideas and they've just still all stalled out because he hasn't lined one up with his passion yet. So even if you're serially entrepreneurially wired, which I believe my son is, you still have to have the passion piece. And he, I think he's finally uh, realized that because his last idea was actually his girlfriend's idea. She's no longer with him. And uh, so the passion left with that idea and her. Anyway, so I think you've, you've got, I can't say it enough. I know you've heard it over and over. You, it's got to be something you really love. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. It's easier to be an employee and just support someone else's dream. That's okay. So if you're going to go after your own, you better want it bad. So if someone wants it and they know what it is and they have passion about it, what steps do they have to take? I, the, the key for me, again, I think that uh, it's, and this is not just in the speaking business, but in uh, guitars, I've had some opportunities to play in really amazing situations with music, uh, do some crazy trips and travel in my life, my climbing life, promotions inside of corporations even. you know, Again, I figure out what I really want, get clarity on that, and find out who's really good at it, who can mentor me, even the business world. So let's say you're still in uh, the business world for a while. To, to maybe just until I get this entrepreneur thing started, 
I think this would help me to go ahead and get promoted uh, to do this, or I want to go after this different job and find out who in the organization can mentor you. And I would, I'd take people out to lunch. I still have a rule in, in my life. In the last five years, I've tried to practice this. I try to take a millionaire out to lunch every month. And, and I, I insist on paying. And sometimes they're very, you know, very successful people. And I know a lot of people for various reasons, they hit, this gets into a whole other subject. Well, I would expect them to pay. They're wealthier. They kind of pause on the check and I'll jump on it. No, in fact, my rule is if you invite someone to lunch, and it doesn't matter who's more successful, you've invited them out to lunch to pick their brain. Basically what you're saying, and I mean, some people have a horrifying look at this, I don't, is can you give me a little free consulting, right? Tell me about your life. What did you do? You should buy that coffee. I'm amazed how many people say, I want to learn to be a professional speaker, or my sister does, or my cousin, or I want to write a book, or my sister does, or my cousin. Tom, would you go have coffee with me, or with my sister, or my cousin? And then when we show up, they we get in line, and they either wait for me to buy my own coffee, or they sort of sit there and give me the look like, well, you're going to buy my coffee. And it's like, God, that's so funny. You invited me out. And of course I just buy theirs or buy my own or whatever. But if you invite someone out for coffee, the least you can do is pay for it. Just especially coffee. Yeah, come on. So be, I, I would be intentional about that. I think it's the right thing to do. That's how I was raised. And uh, I just think, I don't know. I think there's a chill chip on people's shoulders, especially if they're with someone who's wealthy or successful. They go, yeah, I'm getting this guy to take me out or a gal to take me out. And yeah, I'm sure he'll pay because he or she's really wealthy and successful. That's why I'm sitting down with him. But no, you need to step up and, and anyway, just will go a long way. And sure enough, you know, that now some of these people who I did that with, I still pay. Um, I trick them. I say, I think you got last time. And they're starting to look at me. Some of my friends uh, in St. Louis that we know, they're starting to look at me going, I know that, that <laughs> you've been paying every time. And I say, I'll let you get next time. So, yeah, that's so surround yourself with those people. Again. So, how important do you think mentors are in general? Critically important. And what's funny, too, I think I just realized this today is that, uh, like this person I was thinking about a minute ago when I talked about buying their lunch, uh, it's not a quote unquote official mentor relationship. And I had somebody in the hallway say, I don't know if I could call this person mentored me. He stopped by Ohio a few times and gave me some advice. Uh, I don't care. I don't think we, I think let's forget about what we call it. If it's a definition, I don't know what the real definition is. And I'm not an expert on mentoring, but being around people who you want to be like and, or get the results that they have, uh, that's really what it's about. So it, maybe it's an occasional relationship. Again, maybe it's from afar. I, I have a phrase like, you know, something like, uh, mentored me from afar uh, or not, not directly, but like if I read a book by someone who I never even met, I don't want to act like I know some people and name drop, but in a way they've been a heavy influence on me, right? So they can come in different forms. I think being open to that and inviting that and constantly seeking how can I get better? Uh, once you're in your pursuit, how can I learn more about that pursuit? Surround myself with it. Uh, so NSA, that's how I found out about the speaking world is, you know, that's so here's what the people who do it well. I trust the person I met that told me that. Uh, Jason Young out of uh, Texas, and he was at Southwest Airlines. He saw him and do a keynote. He said, got to go to NSA, Toastmasters, here's what we do. I said, okay. He said, start reading books on it. Would you believe this? I'd been speaking for 15 years, getting paid some. And I meet this guy in around 2010. He says, 2009, 2010. And he says, to start buying books on speaking and speaking business. I said, there's books on it? And I buy books on Amazon every week. I read a book a week. And he was like, of course. I'm like, duh. I had no idea. So that the information's out there, uh, just find it, surround yourself, and go do it. It sounds simple. Uh, the hard work is actually executing it. So in addition to mentors, how important is like networking with peers? Absolutely critical. And I think the, um, for me, that's interesting because a question, because this conference is a shift for me. I've been involved in this association for about six years, and these last few conferences especially, I'm making a shift. And you and other people told me you might do this. You know, early you come for your education, the ideas, and now I know what I need to do more of. Uh, I came specifically at this uh, conference. I had a few strategic ideas I needed to deepen, but I primarily came to deepen my relationships with people I care about uh, in a, on a personal level. 
So it's critical. Uh, finding those relationships, and I don't mean surface net, I don't know what your philosophy is on this. Surface networking, uh, I like to go deep with a few relationships and, and get to know people. Right. Well, that's the whole thing is, is people, the word networking people think is like surface level schmoozing, right? Trying to get something quick. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen. And the only way the networking works, and it's really, I call it human engagement. The only way it works is if you're really engaged at a level, soul to soul, and you can't do that once. I talk to people all the time and I say, oh, you want to get in the speaking business, you should go to the National Speakers Association. Or if you're a plumber, you want to go to the National Plumbers Association. And they go, oh, I went once and I didn't really get anything. It seemed clicky. Well, this was my eighth year coming to NSA. And the first three years, I really didn't know anybody. About year four, things started to sort of happen for me that really started to make sense. And it happened because of the relationships that I made with the relationships that I made with people. And those things don't happen because you attended one time and, and ate a free chicken dinner that came with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love what you said. Something I, I see two people, same thing, we get approached, right? So you got to go to the National Speaker Association. And I've heard two different variations of a complaint. I th- uh, not complaint, but they're the people who, well, first of all, most people don't even go. So they don't even listen to you. They don't buy the book. They don't, but the people who actually do occasionally hear somebody say, well, and this could be with any association. Well, I went, like you said, and there was a lot of ego in the room. And most often when I hear that one pop up and they say, it was a lot of ego, big egos in the room. Usually when I look, step back and look at the person, they got a big ego, right? And I tell people, especially about NSA. So if you think you're going to come in here and out ego, some of the people in this room, you're not going to do it. And they're going to, they, and they're, if you think you're successful, there's some people in these rooms that are very successful. So if you're playing on the big ego side, that's a problem. The other one is I see people show up and who are, in, uh, you know, insecure self-esteem where deep down they, they don't believe. And I get it. It's scary as, as anything. Uh, so they, for that reason, they show up and they go, it's really clicky and you know, nobody ever ignored me. Both are coming from a fear ego side, I think, and showing up in different ways. Um, one thing, just on a, on a, here's a little tactical tip for you. Uh, the way I came into NSA was helped me. I didn't know at the time; it wasn't intentional. I happened to have a good chapter, small but very vibrant chapter in my in St. Louis, and I got involved at chapter level and went to every single chapter meeting for like two years or something, or before I went to a national conference. What helped me with that is by the time I got showed up at a national conference, I had already met a few people in our local chapter as well as some of our speakers we had come through. So that if you have a local chapter in your association, I would highly recommend you start there. If you can, or go to the national event. Um, and just be open to, you know, coming into the whatever event it is and say, I'm here to learn. It's The ego is so ruthless. We have to really set it aside, I think, and, and uh, focus. I am here to learn. I want to meet people. So. That's a whole other deep subject. We have to do another podcast on maybe. So what I'd like to do is ask you a few more questions. But before I do, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the takes the hard part out of producing your own podcast. They do the heavy lifting. They take care of all of the technical side. And they set you up with the right equipment and the training so that you're going to sound amazing. You just focus on getting your show done and interviewing cool people like Manly Feinberg. Now, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and look at the offer that they have for the people who listen to this show. And actually, what's great is people click, people call them because they tell me all the time, hey, we signed up another person who listens to your show. So I know that some of you out there actually have that follow through. You want to start a podcast? You call Podfly, see what's going on. They're absolutely fantastic. So Manly, I call this show cool things entrepreneurs do what is the coolest thing you're doing right now with your business hmm i am focusing on what i really want to do anyway there's so many opportunities and uh 
my primary mentor and I call him my chairman of my board, a uh, gentleman I would encourage you to look up, uh, everyone who's listening, uh, Mark LeBlanc is my primary coach and chairman of the board. And he is, uh, he should be, what is his, well, ask him what his title was going to be because I was going to put him on my website team page. And he said, Director of Extreme Focus, which is one of his really core teachings. And he really helps me recognize great opportunities, also disguise as distractions, and get focused back on the consistent core things I need to do every day to realize what I want to do more of, which in this case was to do more keynoting. And uh, he has a great quote, I hope I don't butcher it, but what you do every day is more important than what you do once in a while. And so true, so hard though, especially for me. I mean, most entrepreneurs have some kind of creative side that I think a natural drive in their brain to bounce around and, and not focus. And especially the things that aren't really that fun. But the truth is, as we know, the, some of the things that are the least fun are really the ones that are gonna get us the results. That grind, really, even if it's a passionate uh, pursuit, there's gonna be grind in there somewhere. So you said to me that he gave you permission to say no to some ancillary things that might be great business ideas, but that weren't really on focus mm. for what you're trying to accomplish. So what is it like to like have an idea that you think, I could cash in on that, I could do this type of coaching, or I could have this type of product, yeah. and realize that, oh wait, that takes me away from my mission. What's that like? I love that you brought that up. I had a, uh, invested in a very well-known expert out there about uh, helping me create some products and stuff, which is something you know, everybody tells you, it's, this business, and entrepreneurs are going to hear this, all of you this kind of entrepreneur, you got to do this. You should do this. And of course, the speaker thing, you, you should have products and lots of them and sell them online. And, uh, and I had invested in that education. So I just said, like I said earlier in the podcast, I walk my talk. And I was very distracted because the, the two are just, it, you can't do everything at once. So Mark helped me refocus and say, look, he, what he did is he gave me permission to procrastinate, which was a very powerful. It was how he said it. I wasn't saying no. So I had to, t- to talk myself into letting go of this distraction an opportunity. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine saying no and wasting that money. So he said, just give yourself permission to put, well, you, you'll go after that at some point. Procrastinate that. Let's put it on the shelf for a defined, here's another great phrase from him, defined period of time. For a defined period of time, let's focus on this. And just write that, you know, is it going to be 90 days? Is it going to be 30 days? Let's focus on this, 80% focus on this, and then we'll go back and look at that other option. So that's a great, very tactical way for me, an emotional level and a practical level, to deal with the distractions, give myself permission to ignore them for a while. Um, so that I, th- I hope that's helpful. Well, what else? So what are some tips you have for focus? Because I think you've gotten very good at it. So what are some tips you have for people who maybe are easily distracted? Whoops, squirrel. Hey, look, there's someone over there. Oh, wait, I'm doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, so it's interesting because I used to, a lot of my earlier work was around you know productivity and I still, still do that some because I think it's a core thing we have to master. I am old school and I was a tech guy actually as well. So I'm, I'm 44 this fall, so I'm a weird mix of, uh, I guess, the XY generation where I grew up with technology without. So anyway, I think that I would do a full onslaught to help me stay focused. If you could see my laptop, it's kind of ugly. Beautiful Mac, but I put all these stickers and post-it notes on it and little you know, label machines on core keywords, things I'm trying to focus on. Of course, those things become wallpaper some. Here's a very practical old school one. So take your post-it note, sticky note. I put it when I... I have this one core concept called the current climb. So especially when you're learning something new, we have all these mountains we're trying to climb in our life. And in what I learned in the mountaineering world and climbing world is that we go on a climb, a trip, and we have to pick a mountain. We can't, come, we can't climb two or three at once. And I come back to the business world in life and realize, wow, I'm trying to climb all kinds of mountains at the same time. So knowing that that's all those balls in the air, pick one mountain that's going to be that critically in the Covey matrix, highly important, 
high impact, but it's not urgent. It's, but only have one of those. And when I walk out of a conference, this is a perfect example. I have a long list of those things. And have you ever woken up three months later and you're in the same place? It's because like, I'm going to do all these things on the new things to do list. Just pick one. And that's your current climb. Make it visible. Visibility drives velocity. Post-it note, outlook tasks pop up. I don't care what tools you use, electronic and old school. I put post-it notes on the mirror, on the alarm clock. It drives my wife nuts. Dashboard of the car, monitor. So I got to keep it. You got to keep it in your face or you're going to, you're going to fall. Awesome. So I think that great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. And so I love to ask the people who come on this show, who is someone out there, not part of your business, but someone who you look at and say, wow, they're crushing it. They inspire me. That's an entrepreneur. It's uh, for me, the first person that pops in my mind is my brother and my brother, Bill, who's been a, my first hero, really. He was a professional football player. And so he showed me at a very young age that what it takes to really get uh, what you really want and the, the all the ugly blood sweat and tears the grind behind the scenes but he's an entrepreneur as well and uh he's you know it's funny you say who's crushing it he's really not crushing it right now in his business and his life uh, and in some ways he is but he's just gone through the post 2008 uh, phase that all of us have and it slaughtered some of his businesses he's still doing it he's still passionate and for me he's one of my mentors and my heroes in entrepreneurship because uh, he keeps at it and he keeps grinding away at it and that, that's the one I look to. I think he's crushing it, even though his numbers aren't the best they've ever been. Because he's he's crushing it because he's still moving. You know, it's interesting because I know he occasionally listens to the show, but I also have a brother named Bill. I have three oh, I have three brothers, and he's one of my entrepreneurial heroes because he is a true solopreneur. And I love people who have niche businesses. And whenever we get off, and we're getting off target of your interview here, but I love to plug my brother Bill because his niche business is he's a saxophone repairman. Oh, cool. And cool. If, you, if you meet anybody in the greater New York area who plays saxophone, they know who Bill Singer is. So it's funny when you said one of my, my entrepreneurial heroes is my brother Bill. I thought, my brother Bill is one of my entrepreneurial <laughs> heroes. So the last question I ask everybody is, in addition to being great observers, I think that great entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. I mean, we want to feed our family. We want to be top of our game. But I think people want to leave a mark. So what do you do to give back to the greater good? I'm going to have to be really transparent on this one. And uh, I'm, I'm transparent to a fault. My brother Bill has told me before. So I have given back in some of the, I think the easy ways, you know, donations here and there and, uh, and some time volunteer here and there. But I got to be honest, I haven't been intentional about it. And I really, what, I've, what I'm going to do, this is something that popped up in this, at this conference for me. An unexpected aha moment was, I, just as I would at any other business line or pursuit or industry I'm going to go after and help people, I need to step back and apply that same mindset and process to being as strategic and intentional about how I'm going to give back and be consistent about it. So for me, it's been very sporadic. So I want to, I don't know if I have to start a foundation. I don't know if it's going to be me focusing my speaking coaching services now on just people who are nonprofits or have a cause that I believe in. That's one possibility, but something I'm going to be intentional about it. And I don't know what that's going to be yet, but just a transparent call to myself to step up and be, uh, be that person who's doing it intentionally and making it for the reason of making a much bigger impact. Right. So yeah, so that's, that's one of my big takeaways from the conference. 
Well, and that's awesome. So now I have a reason to have you back on the show like in a year and we'll lead off the show with saying, what are you doing to give back to the greater good? Because if it's anything like the way you've climbed mountains or the way you built your career or the way you build your current business or the way you, you know, treat your family, you do it all right and you do it all big. So I imagine there's going to be a big impact of coming. Thank you. And that's a good accountability hook right there, right? So I, I do have, up to this point, there's a, you know me personally, and you know I had the ponytail for 21 years. So I used to donate my ponytail every three years to wigsforkids.org. And uh, long story, it's if you come to my follow-up keynote, uh, or hire me for it, <laughs> uh, there's a story behind that and how I end up cutting the ponytail and why. And now I have this offer, so I'll throw this out there. I do have a current philanthropy I'm engaged with is that uh, since I donate my, don't donate my ponytail anymore, it's, what I found out is they need something more than hair. They need money like any other organization. And my offer to people is, if you will donate your ponytail to wigsforkids.org, if all I want you to do is take a little photo of the ponytail hitting the envelope and going in the mailbox, I'll, I'll donate $100 for every ponytail for women. If you're a man, I'll, I'll double down. It's $200 if you're a man. Because I know having a ponytail as a man is not very, maybe it comes in style again, but uh, doubling down on men. And uh, anyway, I offer that to my audiences and maybe some of you all, maybe you already have a ponytail and you just cut off and make that easy. So I want to be even more strategic and intentional. And that organization is actually one of the ones I've thought about trying to reach out to and help. So we'll see. Thanks for making me, holding me accountable. So has anybody in your audiences yet mailed a ponytail off? Uh, not yet. So I have, that's, as I mentioned, it's like my follow-up keynote. I've only done that a couple in, couple, in front of two or three audiences. So that's what I'm telling myself. Or maybe they're just growing it out. You know, the truth is probably that a lot of people don't really take action on what you share with them. So, right. uh, but I can't wait to get, I'll get one. I'll get an email at some point and from someone and it's going to make my day to write that check. Right. Well, I have to tell you, I am so glad that you made the time. I mean, we're at a conference with a couple thousand people. I mean, it's everybody's trying to get everybody's time and, and you're, man, ooh, Manly Feinberg, I got to go meet him. So I really appreciate you giving, you know, 32 minutes of your life to come in here and chat with my audience about the cool things that you're doing. And I think that the advice you gave is something that it doesn't matter what industry someone's listening in. We all need that focus and we all need those mentors and we all need to network and we all need to be engaged. And I think what you've talked about today, I think there's someone out there who's going to be touched. And maybe if they have long hair, they'll just, you know, go cut off their ponytail right now. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. I'm, it's an honor to be on your show. And I hope something I've offered uh, in our conversation is helpful in some way. Great. Well, and for everybody, thank you so much for listening. It was a pleasure for me to sit down with my friend, Manly Feinberg. Uh, Manly, what is your website? Where do they find you? Verticallessons.com. L-E-S-S-O-N-S. Perfect. Verticallessons.com. So go check that out. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Manly Feinberg. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.